there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day there's a great big beautiful tomorrow and tomorrow's just a dream away i figured why not open this very optimistic story about time travel in the future with uh one of the best Sherman Brothers songs. <laughs> also, oh, this it is nice to go from a, such a cynical, cynical film to a very optimistic, cheery, cheerful film. Um, hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kayla King, and this is my other host, David King. Greetings from the future. Uh, and we have a guest, as we always do. Uh, this guest has been on probably more than any of our other guests, but also... That's because he is the benefactor of our Disney Plus account. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Sade. Coo-hoo, coo-hoo. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> My terrible pigeon impression. Uh, it's better than uh, Wilbur, so. <laughs> I mean, no, to be I fair, we also have, have Sade on because we, we like, we enjoy Sade's company. So. I also tend to demand, like, oh, you're doing that one? I, You cannot do it without me. <laughs> no, I, we were talking and was like, actually, we have no one for Meet the Robinsons. It's like, now you do! <laughs> uh, we are talking about Meet the Robinsons, uh, which came out in 2007. Wow. That's right. Oh, damn. We're in high school at this point. You're graduating but, high school. Um. I actually graduated the year after, so um, keep forgetting you guys are a bit older than I am. Not that by much, but <laughs> just a smidge, just a, just, just a, a few months. <laughs> yeah, enough that it, enough that it's like, oh, there's a graduating year difference. I'm older by only slightly less than a year, right? Yeah, correct. Yes. Um, boy, are we in for a treat today? Yeah. Uh, should we? talk about our personal history well actually you know what yes because guess what dave and i had never seen this film before this yeah um i should explain that uh this was during my sort of like disney blackout where i wasn't interested in it anymore you know i was you know just starting uh college classes at the time and uh they had not long ago said we're done doing traditionally animated features and i said well then i'm done with you because i'm not into this all this CG stuff. And Chicken Little, the trailers from it had not given me many high hopes. So I completely passed on Meet the Robinsons, assuming it was going to be not interesting. So flash forward, you know, uh, almost uh, 20 years. And uh, here's... Okay, more like 15. A little over 15 years. And and it comes time for us to finally watch this. And Two days ago, me and Say and Kayla sat down to watch Meet the Robinsons for the first time, and that is the extent of my personal history with Meet the Robinsons. Actually, my I think my personal history is exactly the same as yours. <laughs> also in high school, also taking community college classes at night, no one was going to go see this movie with me, and also I had no desire to see it because it didn't seem interesting to me. And... um again like you it's like well there's no more 2d animation and uh also at that time i was obsessed with um princess and the frog coming out in 2009 i i really like when i heard that i was like i'm so excited for this movie i'm always i'm gonna wait until i see exactly that movie and not any other 3d film (laughs) uh that's why i have uh when we get to bolt next uh month i've only seen 
10 minutes of that film. Huh. So yeah, I, I have not, so quote unquote, not seen that film. Well, that's more than I've seen of Bolt, I can say that much. Uh, what I know about Meet the Robinsons before this was just whatever was in the cultural zeitgeist. Like I knew that the bowler hat man was a good guy because there were so many pictures out there of him like like oh what a wonderful character he's so sweet and i'm like okay he has some sort of redemption arc or something because <laughs> nope no fan artist would draw like these sweet pictures of this villain like uh, there's a few who might maybe i don't know about that particular villain but other villains for it sure, depends right? on the, the type of fan art yeah it, it's it's more <laughs> like sweet stuff i actually do remember a fan art and it, it makes sense now after seeing this movie of him with a younger boy on his shoulders and now i know who the younger boy is and all that um it's a it the goob is on his shoulders a paradox is on his shoulders yes a paradox is on his shoulders <laughs> i think for me i can't remember if i saw it in theaters or not but i know i saw it around the time of its release um and it was kind of similar to you guys when I heard that Disney wasn't going to do uh, 2D animation much anymore or at all anymore. I was like, well, that f-ing sucks because I was actually 2007. I would have been enrolling into school for animation and 2D was what I wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember being really bummed about that, but I did end up seeing this. Um, and I just remember having a good fucking time and being like, wow, I really liked this a whole lot more than I thought I would. And it's kind of just been a, I've definitely seen it a handful of times. I'm not sure how many times, maybe more times than I should say, but never (laughs) because like, like, it's not like my all time favorite movie, but like if, if someone's going to watch it, then I want to be there. (laughs) (laughs) um because it's just such a feel-good movie for me i don't have to think about the story too much i don't really think of it outside of watching sitting down and watching it but i know if i do watch it i'm gonna be laughing and i'm gonna have a good time yeah um i remember we told you we had never seen this movie you're like you've never seen this movie we're watching it together (laughs) yeah i wanted to hear your reactions I'll say yeah. I came away from it. I know this is kind of like bearing the lead a little bit, but I came away from the whole thing very, uh, very pleased with mm-hmm. it. I, I ended up enjoying it. I think it was better than I was expecting and certainly better than I gave it credit for years ago. So this was, uh, this was fun. And I'm looking, I've been looking forward to talking about it since we, since we watched it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's a very feel good film. That's for sure. Um, the, unfortunately, kind of like how the film fell into obscurity i want to say because it it does feel like it kind of disappeared and not many people talk about it like they do a lot of other disney films Mm -hmm. Um, i think like like chicken little and bull it like didn't do so well no Um, it didn't i think out of like i can't remember what else they've done like around that time period that kind of falls into that same category of like let's not talk about those movies but uh uh out of those three, at least, this is the only one that I remember distinctly and know I enjoyed. Like, I know I saw Bolt. I know I saw Chicken Little. Chicken Little, I know for the most part, I have blocked from my memory. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bolt, I vaguely remember, but not enough that I could even tell you anything besides the premise. Um, but this is this one's, like, I will play it in my head, and I, like, recognize all the characters, and... 
I don't know. This one just kind of always stuck to me, but you're right. It like no one. That's why I, I, I acted. I wasn't surprised that you guys hadn't seen it. I was more excited that you guys hadn't seen it. Cause I, <laughs> I assumed you were like me where you saw it forever ago. And then maybe, well, not like me, but maybe you at least saw it forever ago. And then like never saw it again. Like never thought of it again. So I got excited. <laughs> Yeah, that, 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 that was me for Chicken Little. I had I did see Chicken Little a long time ago. Um, it's worse than I remember. And um, weirdly enough, though, um, doing the history for Chicken Little, that film actually did make back money. And I was shocked by that. Like, it actually did do well in a box office sense. Why the only I thing no I remember about Chicken Little, and this is probably why, is the marketing. I just remember seeing a lot of ads for it. And that's all I remember of it. And that's probably why it made some money back. Mm-hmm. And, and it, this one didn't feel as well marketed. Um, and even then the background history behind it, like I mentioned, is not a lot. Um, so it was based off uh, William Joyce's illustrated book, A Day with Wilbur Robinson. And production for it started in 2004. Why this is important is because in 2006... Disney acquired Pixar, and as a result, John Lasseter became uh, the chief creative officer for both Pixar and Walt Disney Animation Studios. Um, so, a lot of change happening during this time. Uh, Steven Anderson, he, uh, this, out of all, so, in the past when we've talked about, like, um, films, there's usually someone who is like, oh, this is my baby project, or that's, they're, they're like, the main head. This is definitely uh, Steven Anderson's baby project because um, not that he came up with the idea or anything, but uh, he really, um, he, he when he took on this project, he was really passionate about it because um, he, similar to the a main character, he had also been adopted and um he connected on that way so so he came onto the project he ended up becoming one of the um five people who wrote the story for it and um uh by the way just for knowledge he was a uh, story supervisor on brother bear and um uh emperor's new groove so Hmm. he he has worked for disney for quite a bit before this this is his first directorial debut he's also the voice of the bowler hat man so (laughs) a day with wilbur robinson is actually a fairly new book and william joyce is still around and actually did help out uh with the style of the film however one of the difficult parts about working with joyce is he also worked on a film that came out before this called robots Oh, that makes sense because I wanted to say something about Carl's design. Um, that explains that it. I was, sense. yeah. I was wondering why Carl had a something so familiar about that robot design. Actually, yeah. so here's the funny part: Carl looks exactly like the robot that he's based off of in the book. Like, if you look at it, like, oh yeah, it's clearly the same person. So it makes sense, probably, why the robots from well, robots look a lot like Joyce's robots in A Day with Wilbur Robinson. But because of that, they're like, okay, we need to keep as far away from the style of robots as possible. So where robots kind of had a more metallic future, they decided to think more iPod. And they were, so they went with like, 
they thought of things of like, oh, what do you think of when you think of alpha products? So they thought of like gel-like material, glass, um, soft, happy, puffy clouds, blue skies, bubbles. That's where the idea came from. Oh, like the bubble transportation and all that. Exactly. Okay. Because that was really cool. I actually really liked the look and feel of the um, the future in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely when you a lot of time when you get the future depicted in things, whether it's kind of like for older audiences or even like a general main like media, it's always very man made and like just. It's so man-made and the structure and metals and, and maybe some glass, a lot of like screens, but this felt very organic, especially in like the shapes of the buildings. And there was a lot of like greenery that you normally don't see in the future, which always makes me sad. But yeah, mm-hmm. I really, that's, I think something that I didn't, you guys kind of pointed it out when we were watching it and I, it's not something I think I lingered on too much in previous viewings, but I did realize i kind of appreciate that because it kind of adds to that kind of whimsical feeling that this movie has especially with like Mm -hmm. the bubble transportation and even like the time machine has its little time bubble that it pops in and out of with (laughs) yeah it still feels futuristic um despite the um um more natural feel which is interesting because one of the things they try to do with the present is they did more man-made like they use textures like brick concrete um rusty pipes definitely more earth tones when, yeah when they're in the present um this is also by the way the first time walt disney feature animation tackled cg humans so chicken little was the first 3d cg film mm-hmm. uh like fully 3d cg and then this is the first time they decided to animate humans so as a result they they did say we did take inspiration from the incredibles yeah but they also took inspiration from uh warner brothers as well as um like the warner brothers cartoons as well as alice in wonderland cinderella and peter pan to keep that old fashion feel or that retro feel i can see that so i can see that yeah Hmm. so um interesting thing uh as i mentioned john laster taken had taken over and their first screening with him, he didn't think the villain worked originally. He said he was neither scary nor threatening. And he talked about this to Anderson for six hours after the screening. Like, went way too hard. Like, no, you need to change this. Ten months later, nearly 60% of the original screening had been cut. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this included uh, the adding uh, Doris as a diabolical sidekick, as well as some more thrilling scenes. As This also included the oversized dinosaur. And then John Lasseter approved of that, and that's what went forward. Um, it was released March 30th, 2007. Uh, the, the budget for this was $150 million. It did not do well. Oh, that's <laughs> damn deep. That makes me sad because, like, Chicken Little apparently did really well, but it's a way worse movie. Yeah, it's a way worse movie. Th- this only made one hundred sixty-nine million. Aww. Well, this came but- after Chicken Little, right? Yes, it did. I feel like, and it was the the CG movie following Chicken Little as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think if people were like, if if enough people went and saw Chicken Little, 
like a larger number went and saw Chicken Little. I'm like, well, this is garbage. Guess Disney Disney finally sucks. And then the next one that comes out is also CG. And if the majority of the audience who saw Chicken Little were families, and the parents were like, wow, this is garbage. I don't want to pay for more garbage. Then I think they would less likely have taken their kids to go see. Uh, yeah, to be totally then. fair. I mean. In all honesty, I was already like, the Chicken Little looks terrible. Meet the Robinsons is probably also terrible. Uh, I, that was just the assumption. So unfortunately, a lot of these films had to live in the shadow of that that stinker. <laughs> I think probably the only reason that I was still going to see, like, say, Disney films and DreamWorks was because I was going to school for animation at the time. Right. So I felt makes- obligated to go see it, even if I wasn't entirely interested. That makes absolute sense. I when I was going to film school, I did the same thing. I was going to see any film that came out and was released in theaters, even if it didn't interest me. So I, there was a point I saw way too many films that I did not like. But um, unlike Chicken Little, where it did make back quite a bit of its money and made it did actually provide quite a profit, it had terrible reviews. This one actually had generally favorable. Uh, a lot of in, reviewers say like it was visually impressive and they commented more on like how snappy it was how quick paced it was and how that fit the story which i i I will bring that up later but there is one review uh from the new york times by a.o scott this is god this was a heartbreaking thing to read he said meet the robinsons is surely one of the worst theatrically released animated features issued under the disney label in quite some time I'm like, wow, that is harsh. Yeah. And even then, when I was reading through uh, the review, um, it didn't feel strong enough to warrant that much of a reaction. He felt that like they were using a lot of the same, you he, like he said, used novelties, and it feels a bit cobbled together. Which, again, I can kind of see that, but it feels that's such a very harsh ex- exclamation. But yeah, that that seems kind of unfair. Uh, I can see that for Chicken Little, but yeah, no, Chicken Little, absolutely, but not this. This, this, um, you mentioned the snappiness, and I was—that's actually some—and the pacing, and that's definitely something I wanted to bring up when we get into it. But. Yeah, um, but because it underperformed, um, it wasn't like something Disney was like, oh, we need to move away from it. It just kind of fell into obscurity. Mm-hmm. That was its um downfall because of its underperforming. It fell away into obscurity, which it it is kind of disappointing. Like, um. I, I mean, I could understand why this film does not feel like a typical Disney film, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing necessarily. But like, um, if you were to tell me that like any other company made this, I'd believe it. Um, but it's not bad. It's very heartwarming. It's very um, uplifting. Uh, and it is very fast paced, which I do like. Um uh it kind of like at least um well that's not true i feel like it gets more fast-paced when they get to the future and this is where we lost some audio future david here chiming in from the editing room and i apologize for the inconvenience but as a famous spoof dictator of space once said even in the future nothing works so there you have it i'll just fill in and say that we didn't lose that much thankfully just a couple lead into the discussion about the movie itself and we talked a little bit about the color palette going into the first scene of the movie where lewis is being dropped off on the doorstep by the mother that we never see that's your framing and we'll get back into the discussion right now thank you very much 
Um, and, you know, in proper Back to the Future fashion, there's little beats that happen in this moment when she's leaving the baby on the steps. Right? Like she hears a sound and looks around nervous and then runs off. Um, and I go and uh, I remember thinking to myself, I kind of knew this was a time travel story coming into it. So I'm like, how much do you bet that there's going to be some beats here that are important to remember because they draw attention to them there? I mean, um to be completely fair, it's not like a lot of things surprised me, but I did enjoy the way that they were executed in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll explain why as we go. But anyway. Um, um, the one thing, this is clearly an alternate reality because if I recall, orphanages are no longer a thing in the U.S. This is a, <laughs> this is a heightened reality, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah, there was a point I looked this up because... Um, we had this conversation like within the past month where I was like, are orphanages still a thing? And we look up, no, the foster system has taken over. Mm-hmm. So we don't, I mean, there's um, homes for people like, uh, like homes for kids. Yeah. But not orphanages, mm-hmm. but then this is clearly an orphanage. So um. It it is kind of interesting in that way. Yeah. Welcome to the hyper reality of. I mean, we only saw two kids, though, right? That's true. We only yeah, we only ever see two kids at that orphanage. It said orphanage on the thing, but it did feel more like a foster home in that, like we saw the caretaker and she was very motherly towards them. Mm -hmm. Um, What if? They're the last two orphans, and as soon as they're adopted, she can retire. (laughs) No wonder she wants to get them adopted so badly. Please leave. (laughs) But just to comment really quick on what David was saying about the that opening scene with the sepia, and then when they come back to it, it's still when it's sepia because yes, okay, it gives you that old timey feel. But I love the way that they did it; that it was a nighttime scene, and the, the the. the light source is coming from those street lamps. So you're like, okay, is everything sepia or are those just like really aged like street lamps with like, like uh, the color on the lights is just really warm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I felt like, I don't know. I really enjoy that. Mm -hmm. I really like that sad little scene. Mm -hmm. I like rain scenes. Yeah. That's probably why I like it. I like old timey scenes with rain, cobblestone, Mm -hmm. like whetstone. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It looked good. Like as soon as I'm, I'm watching the way the characters move. I'm watching the animation. Like this is leaps and bounds better than Chicken Little in terms of its animation too. Mm-hmm. Like they, the characters move in a way that seems more like fluid. It doesn't feel as like herky jerky. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and that becomes more apparent when we get introduced to Lewis and Goob in the next scene. Goob is a precious bean. That like as soon as he started talking, I'm like, I'm gonna protect this kid at all costs. <laughs> so tired looking, and just, that poor poor child. He's definitely probably probably my favorite character. Maybe. <laughs> Before or after the frogs, I really love the frogs too. But we'll yeah, get the frogs are great too. We'll get to them. <laughs> well, the moment who uh, I uh, the kid actor who's voicing Goob is really good. Like that mm-hmm. opening little monologue he has is is immediately immediately made me like endeared the character to me. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I thought it was great, and uh, it, he you know, he becomes more important later. But I do I like Goob. I think he's a good he's a great character, and uh, and I. I <laughs> I say this specifically, Kid Goob. Kid Goob, yes. Well, I mean, there. But I don't have anything against the bowler hat guy because you know. Because spoilers, they're the same person. Yeah, 
I, I'll tell I'll tell you the moment when I realized it was the same person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do we think of Lewis as a character? Because um, I don't think of him as like, oh, he's boring. I don't think of that. Like, he actually is very interesting. But I, I've seen his character before. Yeah, but I don't think it's a bad character. I actually, not, I think Lewis but... is fine. I, I don't think he's he's going to win any awards for like most cleverly written character, but at least he's got like a a character arc and you can find the bits of his personality where there are like flaws because he's very, very harsh on himself when he makes mistakes mm-hmm. or perceived mistakes. And um, and that's, that's a key point in the movie too. Mm-hmm. Obviously there's, it's, you know, in classic fashion there's a takeaway from this the whole keep moving forward thing but um he 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 does take it really harshly and he gets really like he gets all the self-doubt whenever he's he's made he's ruined he's conceivably ruined something and that's important i think like i know this this it's not like oh it's not like unique or anything but again we're coming off of chicken little yeah, I know it's it's hard because like going from Chicken Little to this, it's like, oh my gosh, this looks am, like amazing. I am so much more forgiving <laughs> of this movie. So basically, I'm not wowed by Lewis or anything, but he's a, mm-hmm. he is a completely functional and serviceable main character. Yes, to the point where I do want to see him succeed because you know I do have a modicum of care for this character. There is, there, a- I think the cast around him is far more interesting. But Lewis himself, he's fine. Why? I mean, the whole. There- I think the 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 cast around him was meant to be like a very kind of crazy and out there, and he mm-hmm. was kind of supposed to seem more normal in comparison to them, uh, which maybe hurt him a little bit. I do think he's not the most interesting a protagonist, uh, like, but he has still an obsess of substance to like carry his story. Mm-hmm. You said he does have a character arc. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I think kids would have wanted little action figures of him? No, probably <laughs> no. not. They'd want maybe Wilbur in the ship with the dinosaur, but <laughs> but but Lewis is a good kid, and yeah, yeah. I still like him. He's not my favorite, but I don't know. He's, he'll make a good dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the point. He does, and he does make a good dad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I, think I want. I want a goob. I want to tickle me goob though. Oh, <laughs> I want a goob that you can like rock to sleep. <laughs> there's a point. I, I think I made a joke. I'm like, like he's drinking the like because he looks like he's exhausted. And he, I'm like, he's drinking apple juice like he's drinking coffee. And then there's a point where he sees that like his um the the, the caretaker caretaker is drinking coffee and he takes it and starts drinking like oh that's a nice cup of joe i'm like oh my god i love goob <laughs> goob is great oh i knew there are there are great like again the funny part is, it's snappy the dialogue the jokes the way everything is delivered it's paced so well the funny part i've known kids like this that were like 12 years old and drinking coffee like it was nothing like yeah like how yeah. you're just reminding me because of that just the, just of the individual moments that stuck out to me in this movie and made it enjoyable and that's it is little snappy beats like those little beats like that that are fun it, it's, it's one of the little like small little jokes that they make that really like sells it for me mm-hmm. just like the really dumb things of just like with the, the cup of joe or like the just the part where they take Doris and I'm going ahead again, but like that's fine. They throw her in the trunk, or just like 
bake those cookies, Lucille. Like, all that little dumb jokes. Like, normally I'm not much of a comedy person, but just, like, I just I giggle at everything in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think one of my favorite beats in that, and I realize we're jumping around a bit, is actually one of my favorite moments with Lewis is when he's telling Will about, um, or telling Wilbur about um, what he knows about the family. And it snaps between all the pictures as he's talking. I love mm-hmm. that part. That mm-hmm. part is great. Yeah, it's, I think what and also funny beat is the part where they're like, who, who, what's your dad look like? Tom Selleck. And they actually <laughs> get a picture of Tom Selleck. <laughs> I, I looked this up later. Um, the voice of, because uh, we discovered that um, Lewis is actually uh, Wilbur's dad. Um, Cornelius. Just, Cornelius. And Cornelius is actually voiced by... Uh, <laughs> by tom Selleck. <laughs> i love that it's like a realistic like rendered portrait of him yes That's instead of like maybe like them trying to transform him into the style that the other characters i had but no just beautiful illustrated portrait <laughs> of tom Selleck. yeah that's it's it's great again the humor when the humor lands in this movie it really lands and i enjoy it uh, when he gets to the future and he meets the family, it's very quick pace. Like it quickens up. Um, the family reminds me a lot of, and this is a very old movie. It's called You Can't Take It With You, uh, where it, it is supposed to be like one of the first screwball comedies, but the family is very quirky. Yeah. And they also like to create fun stuff and do stuff that makes that it's like, is this fun for me? I'm going to do it. <laughs> And yeah, this family feels a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna. Do I make bullet trains? Yes, I do. Do I? Am I a pizza guy? That sounds like Adam Weston. Well, is voiced by Adam Weston. <laughs> is like a superhero. Yes, I am. Do I wear my clothes backwards? Yes, I do. Do, do I, we play out dramatic fight scenes from like old translated, like dubbed over uh, kung fu movies? And like, fucking love that scene. Because, like, even their lips aren't syncing up with what they're saying. Yes. I just, it's it's like, so dumb. I love it. The, 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 it actually, like, darkens or, like, the... We get, like, a film grade. Yeah. Grade. Yes! And, and then the dumb joke comes after like... where, like, Lewis is like, is dinner always like this? He's like, no, he had meatloaf yesterday. I'm just like, this is so dumb. But I love it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of... Some of the humor, if this were in a different movie... I feel like would go badly. I don't know. Like I've seen something like this before in other movies and the jokes Mm -hmm. don't land, but because Mm -hmm. it's so quick and they don't like, that's all that needs to be said. It's like, is it always like this? No, we had meatballs last time and they move on to the next joke. And I'm like, yes, that's how you do a joke. You get your quick laugh and then it's over. Yeah. Like they, they don't linger. They just keep going. It's kind of like, um, I'm going to just compare it to a bunch of movies, apparently. Hotel Transylvania. Very paced, and that's what I like about it. What's funny is, like, but it's it's funny, too, because it, it it's it's a really precise thing, because one of the criticisms we have with Home on the Range is, like, joke, haha, joke, haha, joke, joke, and they're, but they're not funny. Mm-hmm. And it's because they don't give you a moment to even, like, breathe with a lot of them before anything, but also the jokes just in general aren't funny. Well, here, there's... They're, they make sense with what's going on and they don't overstay their welcome. It's like that good balance. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that about um, Meet the Robinsons quite a bit. Well, there was one funny joke. I, I This was an example in Home on the Range where he moves his head and is, is perfectly head-shaped. Oh, um, yeah. 
of um, Little Patch Heaven. And we could have just stopped there, laughed. It would have been a good joke. But they they, leave, they drag it out. And that's what made it unfunny. If they would have dragged out the whole meatloaf scene, like meatloaf? What do you mean meatloaf? I was yeah. talking about this. That's all that needed to be said. Yeah. You get the context from the nonsense that just happened. And so the punchline is, no, we had meatloaf last time. And it's like, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. That's good. Anyway. Um... Um, there's there's a I, I appreciate even the characters that show up kind of like briefly like the scary the scary little wednesday adams-esque <laughs> girl that's at the yes. science fair who's like what did we talk about with the fire ants they might bite people and she's like only my only enemies. my enemies <laughs> and then when everything is, i love the pan where it's like the sprinklers have gone off everyone's like running and screaming and you kind of see the girl just kind of standing there and laughing it's like very brief moment, but it's like, oh my god, that child's terrifying. And you only if you catch it, you laugh, and if you miss it, you missed it. Yeah, I don't even know if I caught it necessarily, but now I'm going to look for it in the future. It's the most like heinous face of just relishing the moment when the science fair goes into disarray. It's I love that character, even though we only see him briefly. Uh, the Bowler Hat Man is a very interesting. I don't want to say villain. But he's got, he's got, uh, he's got, um, cause Doris is the villain. Let's no, Doris honest. is the Doris real is villain, the villain. But, yeah. yeah, but, but like the bowler hat guy, AKA goo as a, um, adult. <laughs> dysfunctional adult. Uh, <laughs> um, he's got big snidely whiplash and, um, oh my gosh. Um, Great. Dan backslide. He's got like yes! Dan backslide energy. Oh my gosh. And it's so much fun. He's both like conniving. He's like got that conniving. Yeah, I'm so evil. <laughs> but he's stupid. And I, <laughs> I, he is, he's fun. I love the way he moves on screen. He has I, a very interesting body shape and like his teeth are like, he has quite the design. He's very theatrical. Like the, just his movements are big and slow and exaggerated in weird ways. Like when he takes a step, it's a big long legged step. When he like goes, yes, you see his whole mouth, like enunciate his, the word and his, his teeth design? are all crooked and awful. And like, his design almost doesn't match like the rest of the the setting and the characters. Like he's he's very exaggerated with the nose and his mouth, even his movements. I feel like stand out. He really stands out. Mm-hmm. I feel yes. like he almost just barely doesn't fit with everything else. In the same sense, like him being dumb, he's almost he's almost so dumb that he gets like annoying, but he just, just barely keeps from like crossing that threshold for me. Yes. Again, if this were a different movie, he would not work. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Like, like I've said before, a lot of these things that we're complimenting could easily be bad. If it were a different film. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Context is everything. Yes. And in the context of the story that's been set up, it's got this like kind of, it's like not, it's not, not super cartoony, but it's cartoony enough that this exaggerated vaudevillian villain mm. with his bowler hat and his, his rubbing my hands together, scheming to do going through all this effort to ruin the life of one boy. You can kind of get with it because it's just, it just feels like it's, that's okay. It just feels like it's one of those things where it's like, it's deliciously evil and you kind of go, okay, I can accept that there's this 
this weird this weird person i think what's even better is when we learn when he talks about who he is and we see his backstory play out there's a beat in there that i really enjoy where he's just he's the only one who's doing this to himself really yes and what is great about that is like you he like obviously lewis says you you're blaming me for what you did to yourself basically so i go into the whole thing where there's a lot of like time paradoxes like there's a lot of like things where it's like okay well like we mentioned uh when lewis's mom abandons him there's those little beats that we come back to later at the end do you think because we get a moment where Goob and Bowler Hat Guy are in the same room, and I really love that interaction with them. And we find out that Goob is just kind of like, ah, I should let it go. And then Bowler Hat Guy is like, no, don't let it go. Let it fester in you and just like turn you into this terrible person and like take it, let it consume you and whatnot. If is Bowler, did Bowler Hat create himself in that moment? He probably did, in all he honesty. He probably did. Really depends on if it's just endless cycle logic or it's like uh, an alternate beat because this movie does also run on the logic of like, if you go back in time and change something, it does alter the future significantly. So like, it's not like, so, like it's, it's the not... way, the way Doris is ultimately defeated is Lewis confronts I, I, with this one. I think it's fair to just be all over the place to be completely yeah. honest. Yeah. With, I think that was the implication right there, but it also doesn't make sense in a lot of things. Yeah, but, but just, yeah, it's just we'll the just whole... blame that on the time paradox thing. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not really totally, a kids movie. <laughs> it's not totally butterfly effect as it is. You make a big change; it's going to affect the future. Yeah, it's not like I stepped on a butterfly. Oh no! Now the world's on fire. It, it's not. Like, it's true. It, this like this is it's a, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. It's it's this it's, is a it's, very forgiving time time right. traveling movie. It's it's enough that you don't go like huh. I mean, you kind of question it a little bit, but good time travel stories find ways to hand wave it and not make you worry about it so much. And this is this is a decent enough time travel story. Like I, it really bugs me when uh, time travel is thrown into a story that doesn't need to be about time travel. Mm-hmm. Since this is about time travel, they do think about it enough that I don't. It doesn't bother me too much. Again, I think an elegant solution was I'm never going to invent you, and then Doris just snaps out of existence. So, <laughs> um, and then there's a, just enough time that the the bleak future of Hat World exists that so, you see that that the Bowler Hat guy is able to see it before it fades away. Well, the funny part is like when you know, John Lash said he's not threatening enough. You need to make him more threatening. I think that's when they're like, let's throw in Doris and then create this horrible apocalyptic future where bowler hats are taking over people and turning them into zombies. And it's horrifying because both of us, all three of us, like, what the heck are we watching? I really what enjoyed What just happened? I really enjoyed this gritty reboot of Lidsville. <laughs> <laughs> that's a deep cut reference for anybody who's familiar with Sid and Marty Croft, anyway. Um, but yeah, um, I think he works. I like him. I like the, oh, the, the thing I was going to say though, that cracked me up in that part was just like you were saying, say, we don't know if that affects the cycle. But one thing I appreciated was that moment where he's, he's walking through, Goob is walking through school and all the kids are like, Hey, how's it going? You want to come hang out at my house? And he's just like, his narrative is just like, I was hated and loathed. And I'm like, all these people, <laughs> he's just ignoring everybody who wants to offer him anything. But th- that's what makes it. That's it's what, great. That's what makes it good. Like the, all they had, had to say was, hey, Goob, want to come over to my house, Goob? They all hated me. Quickly move to the next yeah. one. Great. Mm-hmm. 
it works. And it baffles me that so many films don't get it. It's not that hard if you think about it. Like that was that was that was a moment where I went, ha, that's clever. I appreciate that. Um now the scene with the family, I love it. And like when when you start to meet all the family members, I love it, but at the same time, I could see a lot of people um not liking it. Uh there's something very surreal about what's being thrown at the screen. There's a lot happening at once. Yeah. And I mean it, it's a little bit of a hard turn. Because we, we start with this really kind of like somber sepia scene which was a very kind of sad issue of like kid wanting family. And then like even with uh, Lewis and his little uh, his peanut butter and jelly machine, it's a little funny there, but it's still kind of like, it's still a little more, a little more of a, like a realistic tone, I feel. Yeah. Until, then we get to the future and suddenly it's all very colorful and, and very bubbly. And we got these really crazy characters out of nowhere. There's a giant squid uh, answering the door and like the two twins that are like, ring my doorbell. Hey, ring my doorbell. Like it's that very, so, we never got to hear the other crazy. doorbell, did we? Yeah. No, we didn't. <laughs> I wonder if it was like instead of trumpets, co- confetti cannons or something. <laughs> or maybe like a, an organ riff, like a jazz organ. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, it's it's even watching it for I don't know how many time how many times this was. It, it it's still kind of like I forget how crazy this family is every time until I see them again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think one of the best parts is when you do meet uh the the matriarch of the family, and you realize oh she's conducting a frog orchestra, and the frog is singing jazz. And these frogs are amazing. I love those frogs so much. I wish I was as cool as those frogs. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, that was the other beat I really appreciated as sort of a, a fun in joke is that we got this, you know, this really well-kept crooner frog mm-hmm. who then turns into kind of a mafioso. And I'm like, is this a, is this a little dig at Sinatra supposed yes. mob connections? Yes, I love it. I love it. I, I love, love it. So I love that they throw the little hat in the trunk. <laughs> like you brought up earlier, Zay. That was, that was uh, so, so my so favorite scenes, yeah. <laughs> and like, if, there, if the movie had done well enough, I wish there was like a little Meet the Robinsons cartoon and then they would like have like little like, like uh, short segments in it where it was just like following the frogs and like what they do. I would have yeah. loved that. You know, that actually would not be a bad idea for a TV show like Lewis going back in time, forward in time. Uh, Hank, like, will do stuff with the uh, with his future family, but then, mm-hmm. like, it uh, and how that affects the past and the future and all that. So, even if it was I mean, just like following Wilbur and because it's yeah. like a day, if it, there's like, they just like named it after the book a day with wilbur Robert, Rob, robin until a day with, a day with wilbur, wilbur robinson. robinson um yeah and it was just like him his, i don't know what he does for in his normal life aside from not locking the garage but yeah and then just just give me like five minutes of the frogs like getting into their <laughs> problems i would love it you know speaking of wilbur we haven't really talked about him he's kind of the other protagonist yes of this movie he's kind of not he's suitable but he's not interesting to me i don't know I why love him. i don't know why i love him. i like think i love him because he's a little bit i feel like he he's a little bit of a black sheep in his family in that you know he's the, he's the youngest he's the child he probably gets into a little more trouble obviously when something went wrong everyone like 
like when uh, Cornelia shows up and there's like, oh, there's my past self. And all Franny needs to do is grab the sun and point at Wilbur. And that, that that's all the explanation. Like, of course it was Wilbur, you know? <laughs> um, I don't know. He really, I like him more than Lewis because something about him endears to me. And maybe he's got a little bit of that delinquent energy that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also because like, I really enjoy his little friendship that he builds with Lewis, especially this one moment where uh, I think Lewis says something like, we make a great team. And this, the face that comes over, over Wilbur's face is like a little bit like shock and just kind of like, yeah, we do make a good, a good team and they hug. And he, and I feel like you can tell he like is really proud of his father. And mm-hmm. when he was, like, watching Lewis start his presentation at the science fair and how, like, confident he was that Lewis could fix the time machine. But in that moment, I had this, like, well, his father, he loves his father and he looks up to him. But his father is obviously always working and probably really busy because he's away on a trip during the most of the movie. So, like, he probably doesn't get enough time with his father. And so that's why he's, like, so surprised that, like, Lewis is like, we make a great team. He's like, oh, this is the team I always wanted us to be. <laughs> and, like, why he just kind of, like, doesn't fight him when Lewis is like, I'm your father. And I'm just like, okay, this is just me going, like, into the <laughs> subtext. But I love Wilbur. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I Okay. The, I think the issue with it is the main character is Lewis all the way. Like, mm-hmm. real, they focus so much on Lewis. I f- feel like Wilbur gets too much of a backseat at times. That it would be nice to have... I, I don't know why. I kind of want more of him. Or, like... I don't, I'm not sure more of him, but, like, have him be a little more... Central to the story? Or, like, maybe something where it feels like they're both the main character? I mean, it's- I think they, they are kind of both the main character. I feel like, individually, they don't have a lot of, like depth are like just are very interesting when they're on their own but when you put them together as like the two halves of one protagonist they make a they make a good team it's true i i had a point i was gonna say all the beats i like with them is when they're they're interacting together or they're they're trying to keep each other from like well like when wilbur is trying to keep lewis from getting found by the family and it's already too late and he's pursuing (laughs) him all over the house and Meanwhile, Lewis is hanging out with with Grandpa Robinson, and it's just like, it's uh, <laughs> it's fun. Um, but yeah, I think the two of them together uh, is what is what works out, and it's great. I love the beat at the end when he, it's 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 got to be surreal when it's it's like you're meeting your dad, but your dad is like maybe a year younger than you in this particular timeline. And it's like, I never thought my dad could also be my best friend. And I was like, that's, that's, that's actually pretty touching. Uh, You get to see this side of your father you didn't get to see before. The one tricky part of it though, um, this is a small thing. The fact that like his name is Lewis, but then they change his name to Cornelius. And I'm like, wait, but why? Like why? That makes no sense. Like he's, huh? That might have just been so that they could maybe hide the fact that Lewis is Wilbur's father. Yeah. You know what? I I, I think a better way to have done this, because it's like, why would you change a kid's name when they're 12? That's ridiculous. But um, maybe another way to do this is you give Lewis, like, a more fuller name. And then, like, call him Cornelius, but then... Uh, and then he goes by Cornelius for most of his life. And then eventually he's like, you know what? I'm going to go by a nickname. And then it's Lewis when he's older or something like that. That way, um, 
I that would have people... made more sense. I get what you're where you're coming from because like that part where he meets, I think Bud, the who is adoptive father. The first thing that man says to this child upon meeting him before even knowing he's going to adopt him is like, "You don't look like Lewis. You're more like uh like you don't like I didn't meet you and be like you don't look like a Kayla. You're more of a whatever. <laughs> you know, like you don't say that when you meet someone. <laughs> like what? Why would you do that? That was kind of shoehorned. Yeah, that, that there's there's little spots like that where I'm like, well, that could have been done better. But I ain't gonna yeah. hold it against you. But then it's immediately followed by that cute bit where he meets um, he meets Franny and Franny's you know she's the girl with the frogs at the fair and she's like, you think I'm crazy, don't you? And earlier he'd be given the advice, did you be given that tip? You think it's like, oh, haha, you know, here's a piece tell, tell advice. Tell me I'm you, always right. Tell me I'm always right, even if I'm wrong, I'm right. And I'm like, oh, haha. But that's and then he does it and she's like, <gasps> and then I'm like. Okay, that that's cute. That's mm-hmm. cute. I kind of appreciate that. Like that that almost like it happens so fast after that bit with the Cornelius, I almost like forgot about it. So mm-hmm. but you're right. Um now I just um I don't even know how much else I have to to admit, except uh it is interesting realizing that essentially because they changed the timeline, uh Goob never becomes the bowler hat guy, so Eventually, effectively, that guy doesn't exist anymore. You think about that? That whole timeline yeah. got altered. Uh, Goob has become probably something else. Maybe he's gone on to Little League Dreams or Big League Dreams. Who knows? Because Nothing, nothing will... but good things, I hope. Yes. Yeah, no, I want good things <laughs> and, and to happen. And full nights of sleep. <laughs> yes. yes, please. I hope he I hope he actually gets, you know, he gets, he, he gets, a, well, he gets adopted by a loving family, and mm-hmm. then he you know, gets a good dentist, so his teeth never become the horrible nightmare of piano keys <laughs> that we see in the bowler hat guy's mouth. Oh. Um, and, uh, like, I, it's just interesting thinking about this, too, because, like, the timeline, I think this is one of those things where, like, stuff does repeat itself, but then, like, at a certain point, you can fundamentally alter and then remove the timeline just to such an extent that, you know, these things change. Because, um... But because because that 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 game never happened, and uh, or because the the catch happened at the baseball game, Goob never becomes the bowler hat guy. Yes. So he, stops- he never steals the time machine and goes back to mess anything up in the first place. But Lewis Lewis still remembers the whole adventure. So it all still happened, but also didn't. Ugh, time travel. Yeah. Cause anyway, because what caused the whole thing of him becoming the bowler hat guy is because. He didn't catch a ball because he <laughs> fell asleep because Lewis kept him up at night but, during his Little League game and lost him the game. But maybe the bowler hat guy did still come through and plant a seed of doubt in Goob's mind. We don't know for sure. Because well, I, I do like the idea that well, I say he went said. back in time before that, remember? Because he came out, he's like, I lost my game. And then yeah. he's like, yeah, I just will let it go. And then that's when oh, bowler hat guy's like, no, let it fester. Yeah. It's after maybe it would have festered anyway. Because remember, he, it, the ball hit his eye. Or no, something. I, I yeah. No, I mean he when we do get a glimpse of uh, our, our last moment with Goob is uh, he has he's interviewing with a, a couple and he's got his big little league trophy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, could... I'm just saying, like hypothetically, now that that that's never happened, so the loop of him going back and telling himself to let it fester doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's time. I'm not gonna Hi. try to make sense of it. Yeah, I try to move away <laughs> from it. Not with this movie. <laughs> yeah, again, 
it's a time travel story and you can hand wave some of it. So I'm cool with it. That, that's always a, that's a fascinating thing to think like, what, how would it feel if I met my 12 year old self? Like, would you even, now here's my question. Would you even recognize me as like my 12 year old self? If you visit, if it, if she saw you. I don't know, actually. That's a good point. Yeah, it's kind of like you. Like, what if your 12-year-old... You probably recognize me because I still have the same hair. Well, like, that's why, like, they said, oh, your hair is a dead giveaway. That's why they put a mm-hmm. hat on him. I could relate to that. I liked, <laughs> I liked his Chiquita banana lady hat that he had for a bit there. Well, I didn't see that coming. Nor that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was like, I didn't see that coming either. Despite despite how tropey things were at times, like, I, there were some things I didn't see coming, which I appreciated. <laughs> Yeah, same. I did know the bowler hat guy was goob well same. before anything happened. Like the moment he was kind of messing things up at the science fair, I was kind of like, this is probably goob because they made such a big deal about I goob I was earlier. like, he kind of looked like goob. And then when he's talked to goob, I'm like, yeah, that confirmed it. When did you realize that Lewis was probably his dad? Uh, Probably around the same time. That Lewis, wait, you, that. Well, no, like when Wilbur Robbins, like when they got to the future and their, and the dad wasn't there, I'm like, this is. This is uh, this is either Lewis's future family or yeah, uh, Lewis. Um, <laughs> uh, like they, the dad is not seen, and I go, it's probably Lewis. This is probably his family. I, in the I honestly didn't think about it because at that time, because it was so fast paced with the family, I'm like, okay, who's who? And then when they finally explained it, and they're like, wait, what does your dad look like? And he said Tom Selleck. I'm like, Lewis is his dad. That's yeah. what it clicks. <laughs> Because I'm like, he's. Uh, why would you say your dad looks like Tom Selleck? And then it's like, what a weird choice. It's And it's like, oh, and he's hidden and he's away on business trip. Like, yeah, that, Lewis is his dad. Yeah. Um, we didn't, that's, that's about it. Yeah, it? yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, unless there's like some key moments that you just really want to. I talked about all my favorite bits, honestly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, another gag I liked is Today Land. Today oh yeah, yeah yeah that's cute i definitely um, did not catch that my first couple viewings because i didn't i didn't become so enthralled with things at disney until i don't know maybe two three years before i got to know you guys so mm-hmm. first few viewings of this movie that totally went over my head mm-hmm. um, but yeah seeing it again this time i was like oh yeah I love it. I miss <laughs> it. <laughs> um, is, is it. Is it strange to me, like, um, the dinosaur was a big part of the marketing, but for some reason that's kind of, we didn't even discuss the dinosaur. And it's, it's fine. It's yeah. a bit of, it's a bit of action that's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The dinosaur is fine. It's, it's, it's goofy. And I like, it, it repeats that joke about the little, the little bowler hat doing the control. It's like, <laughs> yes. it's almost like this plan was a thought for master. Yes. <laughs> it's a funny callback. Yeah, I love that. I think that that part made me laugh the most when I saw it. I think I saw this before I think about it. But uh, I was the dinosaur. Most of that, most of the action happens with the dinosaur, so you would see that a lot in uh, the advertisements because kids like, oh, kids, oh look, it's a dinosaur. I want to see that. Yeah, Um, but I do. I don't know. I am very endeared to just like all of the characters, even the dinosaur, because the dinosaur is very. (laughs) and it just it turns into this big ass big puppy um <laughs> at the end I don't know. it's adorable yeah. 
Oh, and then, well, you know what we can finish this with? Is the little passage at the end from Walt. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Uncle, we get a direct quote from from Uncle Walt about <laughs> how we got to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to find that quote right now. While you're looking, while you're looking that up, I will mention, too, I think the movie has a really positive message uh, in a, a lot of couple, in a couple places. I really enjoyed the moment when they all celebrate the fact that uh, Lewis failed spectacularly at something. Oh, yeah. It's like, what a fa- spectacular failure. It's like, what? But I fail. It's like, yeah, you uh, with failures, you learn and move forward. With, uh, uh, with successes, not so much. And that's great. Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think that's a really, I think for, for kids especially, that's a really, and, but, but anybody could benefit from that. It just depends on where you're at. It's okay to fail at stuff. Mm-hmm. I think- as long as you learn from it and move forward. I think it's a really great lesson, especially if you're a creative. Um, mm-hmm. And we were actually having this conversation within our own little friend group of like, oh, do you ever write something or draw something? And you just realize it's it's not working and you kind of just throw it out and start over. That's mm-hmm. a failure, but you're going to learn like where you went wrong or like what didn't work. And then you're going to learn from that. You keep moving forward. And then you. It's it's a really good message. I really love the whole keep moving forward thing. Yeah, me uh, too. The full quote, quote from Walt Disney is, Around here, however, we don't look backwards for long. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things because we're curious. And curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. And then, of course, they they just fade everything else out but keep moving forward. I'm like, see, that's that's sweet. And again, I think it's great in this movie that's like, has again Todayland has a very optimistic view of the future. This is more of a Tomorrowland movie than the Tomorrowland movie. Yeah, it is. yeah. I think when the Tomorrowland movie was like being announced and like I saw trailers and whatnot, I think I wanted more of this in that. And... I mean, my favorite my favorite part of the movie was just all the stuff involving the the World's Fair and the, yeah. the and the kid with the jet pack. And that was all the stuff I really liked. The, the, that wasn't part of my favorite part. And then also when she finally walks through what Tomorrowland would be like, that is a great scene. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. There's, there's a, it left a lot to be desired, but we don't, we don't, we're probably not going to talk about Tomorrowland in this podcast as it is not an animated. No, feature. it's not. But, but that's one for a podcast where you talk about, movies based on rides and or theme park properties <laughs> if, if we ever if we ever get to that maybe we'll see but yeah um all the i will say with this movie the things because i don't want to say if it's a good movie or bad movie i think it's a good movie i think it's a fun movie it's very whimsical and enjoyable but a lot of the stuff that happens or that I like, I can see someone absolutely disliking. Yeah, honestly, I had I had fun with it, and mm-hmm. that's and I and the feelings I took away from this were very positive, and um, it was a good experience, and uh, I would watch it again. Maybe not right away, but if someone was like, "Hey, I'm going to watch Meet the Robinsons," I'd be like, "That's that's fun. I'll, I'll I might join you for that just for a bit." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's I not would... when I have a huge desire to watch it again right away or anything, but if it comes up, I I'd be like, "Yeah." For sure. Uh, the way Randy, so I told Randy, like, oh, I'm going to be watching Meet the Robinsons. And he said, you're in for a real treat. It's not a good movie, but you're it's so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair assessment on Randy's part. I, I think you're in for a treat says a lot about this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just fun, feel good times. Yeah. 
it it leaves you feeling warm and fuzzy a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I again from such one a very cynical movie, this sort of upbeat positive film that has an amazing message is just it's infectious. I I, I love that. Yeah. I, I, I like that if I'm gonna go into a movie uh with this kind of dialogue and all that and this kind of humor, it's nice that I'm like, ah, oh, if I feel good at the end. This this makes me feel happy. Yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that ultimately like this was a step away from the cynicism that the movie that like Chicken Little was trying to do, you know, because mm-hmm. they thought, oh, that sells basically, you know. Well, so, at that point, as I mentioned, because of Shrek, yeah, Shrek did well. They wanted to do be cynical like Shrek, and that didn't. I don't think that really worked in its favor. No. And they were trying to do that with Enchanted, but instead they said, no, let's make it a loving love letter for Enchanted. And that works so much better. It does. And again, as Paprika said, you can't, with Enchanted, you can't help but like smile when you watch this film. This is the same with Meet the Robinsons. You yeah. can't help but smile at some point when you watch this film. Yeah, this month has been a good month for viewing experiences on this podcast, and it makes me happy. Um, so I was glad we all got to watch this together too. Like we all got to, even if we were kind of far apart, technology allowed us to watch it at the same time and. Um, uh, I will remember that first viewing experience of Meet the Robinsons is a very positive one too in that respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining them with us for this save. Of course. I was very happy to. I, I, like you guys are my best friends and this oh. is a very good feel good movie. I, I was so happy to watch it with you guys, especially since it was your first time seeing it. So I love sharing uh, things that I especially enjoy with friends. So, mm. great time. Well, that, well, that feeling is absolutely mutual. And yeah, I, we uh, always like, this won't be the last time for sure that you're Two on months this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Two months from now. <laughs> Next time I see you guys, it'll be down by the bayou with a platter of beignets. So. Yes. <laughs> okay, we have to watch that together and I need to get like actual like food like new orleans style food right but that's not what we're doing next month no no no. let's go maybe we should cue people up for that so next month we are going to be discussing uh bolts another one i haven't seen i like i I mentioned i've seen 10 minutes of it and that's it um but i don't think that's enough to warrant to say yeah i've seen this film so i hopefully it's good better they're good i don't remember if I honestly don't remember if, if I thought it was good or bad. I was just whatever about those 10 minutes. So hopefully, maybe the rest of it is really good. Maybe the rest of it is awful. Who knows? Let's see what happens. Looking forward nope. to it. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you'd like to plug, Saint? Um, if you want to know what I do, I have a YouTube channel called Dead End Crafts uh, where I make things like dolls and other little nifty things but that's about all I do right now. It's a good read. It's a good um, it's a good plug, is any? I'd say. Mm-hmm. Plus it's you, you creative, you're doing stuff creative, doing it for fun, and you keep moving forward. <laughs> yes. But in order to move forward, sometimes you have to move back. So guess what? I have a time machine. What? Wait, what? I have a time machine. Okay. And when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... Feeling peckish this midnight? 
Sate your appetite for terror and reserve your ears for a feast of the sound. The Midnight Marinara Podcast is here for you, intrepid listener. We sample only the finest and sinister stories and, coating them with our own unique spooky sauce, present them to you as eerie audio dramas. Tune in as Midnight Marinara sends shivers of fear and spasms of laughter through you. Bon appétit. <laughs> This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.